Hello everyone, before we get started, I just want to let everyone know that this is the last episode of season one of the Angel of Words podcast. We'll be back 2021, the last part of the first quarter. Now, don't forget to subscribe, click on that notification bell, share, like, dislike, comment, let us know what you're thinking. You could also follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to leave a donation to the Angel of Words podcast, you could do so at Cash App, A-O-W-N-Y-C. Now, today on the Angel of Words podcast, we have real estate strategist Jimmy Odoon on deck on the Angel of Words podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Angel of Words podcast. I am your host, Angel of Words, and today I'm with one of the hottest real estate strategists in all of the country, the creator of the YouTube channel, Sigma Real Estate Studios, Mr. Jimmy O'Donnell. Mr. O'Donnell, thank you for joining us today on the Angel of Words podcast. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you very much for having me. I'm very excited for this. I love to talk and I, I love to spread some knowledge, that's for sure. No, for real, man. And I'll be honest with you, I was, you know, I took a long look at your YouTube channel. The production quality is absolutely excellent. So I got to give a kudos to you there. You know, it's clear, concise information. And uh, let you know, I want to get straight to it. You know, you have something called the 14 steps, you know, to uh, purchasing a home. And I'm going to run them down. You know, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I have how to select a real estate agent is number one. Number two is how to obtain a mortgage pre-approval. Number three is how to understand your needs. Number four, how to pick an attorney. Number five, how to pick an inspector. Number six, how to select and view properties. Number seven, how to write an offer. How to negotiate your offer is number eight. What to uh, what to inspect during your home inspection. We have how to execute your buyer's contract. What is an what is an appraisal and why? Is it important? What is title insurance and why is it important? How do I determine how much insurance I need and what do I need for closing? Did I get those accurately correct? All videos that, by the way, uh, you can find on Jimmy's uh, YouTube channel, which I will be scrolling underneath here on the podcast. And, you know, obviously, Jimmy, when we get to that point, you know, uh, let them know where to find you. Uh, Now, I want to start with the most important step, which is obviously step number one. Right. Uh, and, you know, we can't go all, over all of them because then, you know, <laughs> we got to get, get people to your YouTube channel. But why is selecting a real estate agent uh, so important, Jimmy? So, all right, let's begin with this. So the 14 steps of actually buying a home, that's like really in detail. I really look at the buying process as more as three steps. It's really so from the point that you uh, start looking to where you get an accepted offer, that's really your first major step. The second one is getting from accepted offer to contract. And then the third step is contract to close. So your real estate agent is going to be a part of this from the beginning to the end. They're the one person that when all else fails, you know you can rely on. So if you're not getting uh, answers from attorneys, if you're not getting answers from lenders, if you're not getting answers... Uh, from your own personal lender as to what's going on. Your agent's kind of the hound dog that you let loose to go and get that information. And we've been dealing just a lot, a a 
with a lot of that stuff since COVID happened because a lot of people have been fleeing the city. They're running into homes. They're trying to get homes as fast as possible. And I understand it. But in doing that, a lot of people are missing the beginning steps that nobody's going to teach you. Nobody's going to teach you except your real estate agent. And that's why I truly believe that the most important thing for anybody looking to buy a property is get in touch with a real estate agent, even if you're not ready today. And the reason I say that is there's a lot of times where you could do minor tweaks along the way. So from now until you are ready, you might be able to get your credit score up a little bit more, which means a better interest rate, which overall saves you money on your monthly payment. So just tiny things like that is what a real estate agent can can help you out with. And I, for me, it is the biggest step. And ain't like, listen to this, we don't even get paid by the buyers. We represent you for free. Like that's, that's information how, a lot of people don't know. Yeah. Like, like you don't pay us. We get paid by yeah. the seller. Now, whether you use an agent or you go to the listing agent, the seller's still paying the same amount. It's just a matter of, did you get your fair representation or are you just using the listing agent who technically owes all his obligations to the seller? So for me, man, it's, it's a hard, what makes a good, what, what makes a good real estate agent? Jimmy. When I first got into this business in 2015, I used to think it was something, you know, crazy as to what really separated agents from each other. I thought there was some miraculous, you know, feature that one agent had that another agent didn't have. And the longer I sit here and, and dwell on this stuff and, and have been in the business, the more I realize it's the tiny things that separate agents from each other. It's entering your phone. Believe it or not, answering your phone, just that you're available is one of the biggest things that separate agents. And I think the second biggest thing that I've been noticing a lot this year is I've been meeting a lot of buyers that they'll meet other agents, whether it's on the phone or whether, you know, it's at a listing or something like that. And they just always feel that the agents are pushy um, and that ultimately they're not trustworthy because they're looking out for their commission at the end of the day. For me, I don't get in my car to go and help anybody unless I truly believe I can help them. Like, I'd rather be here making YouTube videos, you know, spreading knowledge for people than getting into my car to drive around and help somebody that I might not be able to help, you know, and I'd rather just be honest about that. Like, let these people know, hey, look, this is what it is. This is how it goes. Now, you know, if you like it, great. If not, then that's okay too, but it's the truth. And I think those two things are so just being, you know, transparent and honest about really what's going on and answering your phone. And the other thing, the third thing is, you know, I often hear people say fail forward. So a lot of things that agents pick up on is because it failed somewhere along the line. And I'll give you a huge example. When people are leaving um, the city, so any of the five boroughs, the five boroughs have relatively cheap taxes compared to any of the suburbs. So Long Island, Westchester County, completely, like we're talking about minimum at times of triple the amount of, let's say, Bronx tax. So you're moving five minutes over the border and your taxes just went up. Now, what a lot of people don't understand is when you purchase a house in certain areas, they can increase those taxes based on the price that you bought it. So today your taxes might be 10 grand, but if you don't have an agent that's going to check that stuff out before you close and let you know, say, hey, listen, 
The taxes are 10 now, but they're going to be roughly around 15 worst case scenario next year. Like, are you okay with that? Because now you just got to pay another 5,000. So that's really like, like I said, I used to think there was a lot of, you know, glitz and glamour as to what really separated us, but it's the tiny little things. I mean, it may, you know, it seems like it, it, it's a lot pending on interpersonal skills and picking up your phone and, you know, just being available. And, you know, a, a lot of buyers, like you mentioned something important in one of your videos is understanding your needs, right? Yes. What do you mean by that? So a lot of people get excited, you know, they're getting ready to buy a house. They want to yeah. go out and look at houses. And what ends up happening a lot of the times, is, and this is more often than not, is if, if buyers are just out there on their own, they're going to start to go look at everything and anything that's available out there, as long as it kind of matches up with what they're looking for. Now, when I say analyze your needs, I say, tell me what you need in a home. Whereas if the home doesn't have it, you won't buy it because I know what to look for online. I know how to look at the listing. I know when the marketing is using similar tactics like McDonald's, right? Big Mac looks like this on the poster. You open the box, it's, you know, it's this little tiny guy. Yeah. So I know when, when they're doing marketing <laughs> tricks like that. So for me, if you tell me, listen, Jimmy, I need space and you send me a house and I use my tools and a lot of it's public. So Google Maps is one of my tools. I'll pull up Google Maps and I'll say, hey, listen, this house is really close to the other one. It's like you told me you need space. So if you're okay with this house, then there's also other houses like this that are out there. But I need to know what, what you need. So if you don't need the space, then let's change that so we can find yourself. I find by, by spending a little bit of time just really hammering down your wants and needs, it just makes pulling the trigger when you find a house that much easier. Because a lot of homes right now, they go to highest and best, and a lot of people are buying them just, you know, fear missing out. But if they knew what their needs were, they would be able to make a much better educated decision uh, than just spray and pray. Now, yeah, I know. And how do you manage that, Jimmy? Because, you know, I, I figure sometimes people want to keep up with the Joneses. You know, they're worrying more about the aesthetic and the appearance of owning a home rather than focusing on your needs. That seems to be a big problem, you know, all across the country and a, and a plethora of different, you know, uh, factions. You know, how do you manage that? Uh, it goes back to like I'm not a pushy. I'm I'm not pushy when it comes to houses. My when I first get to a house, I usually kind of walk around as a loner, and I'm looking for everything wrong with the house. I don't care what's right. To me, that's secondary information. I want to find out about all the issues as many as I can. You know, coming from a construction background, coming from a background in architecture, like I. Them, I know what to look for. And then the other part of it is just common sense. When something doesn't look right, it's probably not right. So I just go through houses looking for everything wrong with it. And after I, like if, if me and you went to go look at a house and I'm like, listen, you know, the roof looks like it's about to be done and you're probably going to need a new one. Like there's, you know, this house is older. There could be, you know, um, let's say we find uh, the outlets. They, they need new outlets and stuff like that. So just simple things like that. I'm going to point out all the negatives. So if I tell you, listen, these are all the things wrong with the house and you tell me, okay, cool. I want to put in an offer. Well, now you know exactly where you stand. Like you have an idea of what you're going to be fixing and what needs to be replaced. You're also going to have a full blown inspection. So that'll just kind of reaffirm. But for me, I don't want to waste people's money. 
Like an inspection costs money. So if I can catch a lot of the issues up front and, and talk you out of wanting to buy a house, it's almost like I take people to houses and they have to sell me as to why they want to buy it as opposed to me selling to them as to why they should buy it. Unless, unless I find a house that I am so convinced, like, this is your house. You have to get it. Like, don't play games. Don't, you know what I mean? But I don't like, you know, putting my judgment onto people. So I always try to let them really hammer it out. So listen, things are going to go to highest and best. It is what it is. But I am as corny as this sounds. I am a firm believer in everything happens for a reason and you will land on the right house for you like i truly believe that man you know it seems like you really give people you know cause to 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 relax you know because i'm sure this is a highly stressful process and it seems that you know you really have you know bearings about the situation and you're really paying attention to everything that's going on you know around you now you mentioned the inspector aspect of it you know a lot of people forget about that you know people have to go in there and make sure that everything is good is, is that a, a tedious process i mean the inspection process you know you hire you get to pick who you want as your home inspector um, on, you know, an average 1500 square foot house, you're looking typically around about two to three hours. They're going to check, you know, the foundations, they're going to check the roof. They're going to check to make sure there's no moisture seeping into the house. They're going to check inside the appliances that those are working, the heating systems, the mechanics. So they're going to look at almost everything, almost everything. And yeah, it's tedious. And a lot of times, you know, buyers are just like, okay, uh, I have no idea what that is or what it does, but here's what I love about the inspection <laughs> report because to me it's not a pass or fail it's just can it be fixed or not and are you willing to fix it or not because if you're not then the seller has to it if the seller's not then let's leave like it's that simple um so for me it's always it's not a pass or fail but what i love about the report is it's the blueprint to your house now like this has every aspect of your home it tells you life expectancy so your roof might be good for 10 years so, hey, set a notification in your phone now. Set it for eight years out and forget it. Like, you know what I mean? So I do think the home – now, some people waive that, believe it or not. If they want to really? win a house, yeah, if they want to win a house and, like, really sweeten their offer, they'll be like, yeah. okay, we'll just waive our appraisal – I mean, our inspection contingency and not even do one. Or they'll say, we want to do one, but it's for knowledge purposes only. So we're not going to come back and negotiate if we find anything wrong. So you do have that option. Wow, I didn't even know that. It's amazing. Yeah, not something I recommend, though. Definitely not okay. something right. I recommend. <laughs> yeah. Just, I think it's but if you're thirsty to buy a house, you know the options available. You know, <laughs> right? That's yeah, crazy. you can. You can if you have extra cash in the bank, you can waive your appraisal. Yeah. So even if the bank doesn't think the house is worth the money you're paying for it, you can pay extra in cash just to cover what the bank is willing to finance. Like, yeah, you can waive almost everything. Now, Jimmy, you know, I didn't even know that 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 you know how intense the negotiation process can be and that you can negotiate the price in a house. Is it, isn't something that you have to go off a of face value? Uh, you know, are you guys involved in that situation or is it something that you, you uh, give guidance on or, or comment on at all? So it's my whole thing is I'm trying to use statistics, right? So if, if first off, Let's just get this out of the way because I firmly believe that in a highest and best market, I don't care who you are, your negotiation skills don't matter. Like, yeah. this is how it happens. The property goes live <laughs> on a Tuesday and they say yeah. highest and best by Thursday at 6 p.m. And that's it. 
you submit your highest and best offer and it's done. So when we're in a market like this at a certain price point where there's no such thing as negotiating, then yeah, that kind of goes out the window. Now, every now and again, um, even in our market right now, there will be some sellers that are, you know, unrealistic. They're, they're really shooting for the stars to get as much money as possible. So my thing is, is I look at how many days on the, on the market, the houses, and if it's been sitting for, you know, 45 to 60 days, there might be some wiggle room there for us to negotiate, you know, because those people, if they are motivated to sell, they're starting to get a little more desperate now. So it's definitely 100% case by case. But I'm a numbers guy, so I'm always looking at, you know, the numbers. And if I think a, a home is going to go to highest and best, I'll let you know that. And it's up to you what you want to do. But here's, here's the thing. What I say about the value, what a buyer says about the value, what sellers say about the value, none of it matters. The market will literally speak. So if you put a house on the market for half a million dollars and you have no offers, the market price too high. They said, nope, I don't see the value for that price. So, but what a lot of agents are doing is they price based on selling the home. They want to get highest and best situations. They want to get bidding wars. It's the, the laziest. I was just <laughs> the laziest. I mean, you know, the thing is that people watch these TV shows about real estate on TV it, and they think on, it's yeah. like that. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And I'm like, I don't know, man. That seems a little suspicious. I mean, you know, because it's like you said, the market really does drive what's going to happen with your situation, you know? Right. It, it, put it this way. Like if I told you right now, hey, I could go negotiate the price of an iPhone 12, it's kind of the same thing as me saying I'm going to go negotiate a, a home in, in the highest and best uh, situation. It, it's kind of, you know, again, you could try, but it really doesn't work when there's, you know, 20 other offers. They're looking usually for the cleanest deal. Now, I will say this. Um, highest and best market or not, if we find major issues during the inspection, and my rule is if it's a structural issue, which like you don't want that in the house or if it's a safety issue again your family safety comes first like those we should try to negotiate and if not then you better have a game plan to get those fixed but again no. like I'm, i just give you all the info like i that's all i'm google and you make the decision whether you want to buy the product or not no, I mean, it makes perfect sense. You know, right now we're talking to Jimmy O'Doon, uh, 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 the uh, real estate strategist extraordinaire. Now, you know, we, there's the last point I'm going to touch on the 14 steps is the attorney aspect. I didn't even know that attorneys get oh involved in God. these things. I, 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 you know, and I saw the video and you seemed a little like, like really adamant about like, yo, this attorney situation is no joke. Make sure you got the right one because this could delay the process and it's annoying as heck. So, you know, could you elaborate a little bit more on that, man. And uh, could you tell us a story of how annoying a, or attorney was one time when you're trying to close a deal? <laughs> I mean, so this year, just overall, um, yeah. it's across the board. So I can't just, I can't just attack attorneys. It's, it's across yeah. the board. Just timelines are really slow. My whole thing is just very simple. Like if you know, something's going to take a while, just say it's going to take a while. Like give us a, a ballpark. Don't tell me it's going to take two days when you know, deep down inside it's going to take six days. Um, and I think there's been a lot of, um, unrealistic expectations that are going around um, when it comes to to setting the expectations. So I think if they did a better job at that, it would make the process a lot easier. But what I can say is, is probably one of the greatest days I had as a real estate agent, but probably one of the worst days I had because of how bad the attorney was, is I never lose my cool. I don't want to say never, but I very rarely lose my cool. 
Now, this buyer happens to pick um, a attorney who was a former prosecutor and a judge. So he's not a real estate attorney. Like his whole role was I'm judge, jury, executioner, yada, yada. Okay, cool. We find okay, the house. That must have been a very condescending uh, human being. Oh, my God. God. Oh, my God. I tell you, I I was pushed over and over and over again by this guy. And then in the end, I'll tell you, I lost it on him. I lost it. We, we found we found the perfect house for my client. OK, um, two family house in Sleepy Hollow. It was about, uh, about low 60s. So we get the That's in Long Island, correct? Uh, no, Sleepy Hollow's out here in Westchester. Oh, Westchester, okay. Yeah, Headless Horseman. Oh, okay. Yeah, come yeah. Get you. You're right, it's up north. I'm bugging. I'm thinking yeah. something else. No, it's all good. Um, uh, but yeah, so so we find the perfect house. It's, it's, a, it's a multifamily house, low 600s. We get the accepted offer on it. Everything comes back great in the inspection report, and there's an issue with the oil tank. Now, when an oil tank fails, Usually what happens is the seller pays to take it out of the ground. They put a new one above ground and you move along with the deal. So <clears throat> this attorney wanted all the documents of the house up front. And I was like, wait a second. Like now you're making me second guess myself. I'm like, nobody gives title. The, like when you get an accepted offer, nobody gives any of this. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, we, he's like, we can't move forward without this stuff. So I was like, listen, I don't know what, uh, real estate was like pre 2015, but since I've been in the business, you sign the contract and then you get all that information. Why? Because if you don't sign a contract, anybody can come take the house from the buyer. Like the contract is the only thing that protects the buyer uh, from losing the house. So he kept pushing back and pushing back and pushing back. And then he, he had the audacity to say that I'm only after the commission. Wow. So I was like, Which okay. is disrespectful. No, that's hitting below the belt, you know? Right. So at that point, I literally, I was just like, I just went off on him. I started yelling. I called up my client. I said, listen, I said, I don't have time for these games. Like, you know me, you know how I do business. If you want to continue working with me, you got to put your attorney in check. So my client calls the attorney and he says, listen, very simple. You either can get along with Jimmy or you're fired. And how that that's when I knew, like, OK, I'm, I'm definitely doing something right here. Like he was yeah, going to fire you were vindicated like crazy there, man. Wow, man. You must have felt amazing at that point, man. <laughs> yeah. At, the, at that point, at that point, I was like, OK, OK, now I'm definitely like I've earned enough respect to say, like, yeah. OK, I, you're I believe feeling yourself. Were you feeling doing. yourself a little oh, bit? Yeah. then and there? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, because the crazy thing is, is I had listed his his, his unit for sale at 450. Um, okay. I, sorry, he wanted 450 and he was going to hire a discount broker. And I told him, stop. Like, he called me and he's like, you have the number of a discount broker. I'm like, what, what do you want a discount broker for? Like, you know, whatever. So I, I go look at his place. He's like, everybody's telling me 450 I was like, listen, just let me list it. Let me price it. And we ended up selling it for 5075 So we got him 57000 more. So when this guy was bashing me saying, I'm only after a commission, it's like, you, you don't even know what you're talking about. Like me and this guy yeah. have had a relationship now for a year and I've talked him out of more homes than I've talked him into buying. So like, you can't, like I would show up and be like, yeah, it's not like, you're not going to want this investment. It's just, it's not going to be, it's not for you. Yeah. 
Like we would just right away, not even waste his time. Like as soon as I would see it, I would just tell him like, you know, I would humor him, you know, so he could see it in person and see what I'm talking about. But nine times out of 10, I always hit the nail on the head with him. Now, Jimmy, do you deal with home flippers? I do. Do you think, you know, that is, is that something that, you know, you know, people that are interested in real estate to, to give a strong look at? Is it something that's lucrative and is it worthwhile, especially during the pandemic right now where, uh, you know, it seems like everybody's, so, you know, moving around? Yeah, that's the million dollar question right now, because yeah. everything, everything I'm looking at and you can see, like, from, you know, it doesn't matter what you look at. You look at the stock markets, you look at, you know, it's like so you have stock markets are flying through the roof. OK, you have. Coronavirus also flying through the roof. You have unemployment flying through the roof. And well, the politicians just decided that we're worth $600. So they gave us, you know, in these next few days or next few weeks, they'll be giving us uh, $600 plus the $1,200. So $1,800 for the whole year is what they gave us. And I think right now is there's so much uncertainty with the vaccine and the virus as a whole. And I would not invest in a flip right now. Like, I think the winter, my thinking is this. And if you think otherwise, then it might be a good time for you to buy a flip. My thinking is after the New Year's, things are going to get a lot worse than what they are now. Like the cold weather is sinking in. We already had a spike from Thanksgiving. We're going to have one most likely from Christmas time. And we're going to have one most likely after New Year's. So putting all that into effect, I, I really think things are going to get worse before they do get better. Now, Jimmy, um, you know, I love the name of your uh, uh, created the channel that you created on YouTube Sigma. You know what I mean? The 18th letter of the alphabet. The alphabet I'm into Greek culture, you know, uh, and Greek mythology. Is that something that, you know, is that the reason why you chose the name there, Sigma? Are so you Greek? I am, yeah, I am Greek. Yeah. So, oh, that's, okay. yeah. so, so I mean, you know, overall, so you even got to hear. There you go, shirt. man. Yeah. Like, yeah. All right. um, my thing was is when I really started looking at the core values of, of the brand I wanted to build, it would always land on speed, um, strategy, and service. Now, uh, I spent, put it this way, I've served about 530,000 people in the restaurant industry. Like I sat down and I calculated the numbers. Like I was a, a full-blown restaurant guy. Like, so my service in the restaurant, or I should say my paycheck, was completely dependent on how my service was. So after working about, let's see, from about eight years total in the restaurant. So in those eight years, it kind of just kept honing my ability to, to give just great Jimmy, service. hold up, hold up. But how did you calculate that? Because I spent a, a long time, about 17, working in the restaurant business. I just, you know like, what I bro, did? Like, I it's 533, that's double, man. I've got like close to a million people I've served. That's crazy. So both, both um, so the one restaurant I worked in, so I used to work in two restaurants side by side. So I'd yeah. go to work at 11 in the morning from 11 to 430. I'd work at one. And then I go outside, change my Greek shirt to my Guayavera, go into the Cuban restaurant, and I would work there from 5 to 11. Now, I knew on any given night at Havana, like, that was there I was a shark when it came to sales. You know, I was always promoting, like, all the good food we had. So I knew roughly a night I would do 45 people. Like, so they would count covers for your per-person average at the end of the night, and I would do about 45 covers there. And then the Greek spot I worked at, 
figure my section was at any on um, Friday, Saturday, Sundays, my section was probably 25, 30 people. So I just sat there and I was just like, all right, times all these years. And then that was a lot of people. Man, that's a lot of people. Crazy. Yeah, I spent like three years with no days off. I was just like a machine. I would only take a day off if I went on vacation. Other than that, seven days a week. Somebody dropped the shift. Great. Give it to me. So hustling, the service, hustling, man. Yeah, yeah. The service. Um, and then really the strategy was the other big piece. I, I got I got annoyed in the beginning where I would just get in my car and just go unlock doors for people. And I realized I'm not doing any of these people any favors by just showing them houses. Like it, there's no, there's nothing behind it. I got to add more value to this. And that's when I realized the strategizing portion of it is kind of where I excel. So let's really sit down and save ourselves time, energy, and frustration. And let's strategize this out. And at the time I started reading um, The Art of War by Sun Tzu. It's a military book. It's all about Yeah, strategy. you know, great piece of literature, man. Really, if you're into Chinese philosophy, that's like a beacon. Yeah, it's, it's probably the hardest book I've ever read. Like I would have to read some pages seven times over again. It, it was a very difficult read. Um, and, and so now I had the service and the strategy. And since the market ever since I got in was always uh, a seller's market, I knew that there needed to be speed because if you couldn't execute fast, well, there goes your buyer's uh, potential dream house. So I had the, the S's and then just, um, the Sigma came to me and it just stuck. And from there, it's just been, you know. No, nah, it's dope, but and, and Jimmy, man, but like you also did carpentry, and you like you mentioned, you were into architect, you know, you were architect as well. <laughs> like, you know, how does all those things combined, you know, make you who you are? And like, why did you choose to, you know, go from one career to another? It kind of just I like, kept tripping into the next one. That's yeah, basically yeah, what know, happened. Man, this is crazy. So yeah. I started. So um, I never worked as an architect. Um, I did enjoy, I enjoyed drawing homes like on paper. And then I took a class in high school and it was, everything was on the computer. So architecture was moving away from freehand and into the computers. And that's kind of where I got um, a little turned off by it. Um, I was always a fan of Legos as a kid, so I always loved building. And I figured while I was in high school, I could do um, half of my day in high school, taking all my major classes, and then the other half in a trade school. So, all, you know, the afternoons I would go to, you know, school for carpentry and I loved it. Like, that's what I wanted to do. Um, it was the only thing I excelled in in school. I was not, you know, I, I, I got C's all, all throughout school, more or less. But when it came to carpentry, I had A's across the board. I really loved it. But I graduated in 2008, right when the market collapse happened. And the carpenters union, they weren't taking anybody because they had no work for the guys they already had. Um so then I decided to go to college, you know, what everybody else does. I went to college. I studied various uh, topics in business management. And then I got an opportunity to work for a bank. I became a loan officer. So I learned how to, you know, uh, price out mortgages for home purchases. I learned how that whole process works. I got offered a job um, showing houses like part time. And at the time, since I was still really, you know, I was 22 and it was hard for me to get business because I looked, you know, so young. And I get it, you know, whatever. Um, I was like, okay, cool. Well, maybe I'll just sign up with this company also and I'll be showing houses and then I can also do the mortgages for them. But then right before I'm about to take the class for the real estate test, I find out that um, because I hold a federal mortgage license and there was some stuff with the FHA administration and all that crazy stuff and I had to decide. 
So when I wanted to keep the mortgage license or if I wanted to switch over to the real estate license. And then I ended up switching over to the real estate license in 2015. And then ever since then, it's just been, you know, this. Do you feel it was a good move for you to go to school? Do you feel like that that helped you, uh, you know, along your path? I'm not a kid for school. I would rather pick a topic and learn all about it on my own. Like I spend thousands of hours a year on YouTube just learning about various topics I find interesting. Uh, like we okay. could probably have an entire conversation about ancient Egypt. Like just one of my Yo, things. I would like, like that, man. <laughs> yeah, like that. That for me is something. But seriously, I'm looking for an archaeologist right now, man, because I really want to go delve deep it. in the Age of the Words that's podcast. It. Go everywhere before, with it. Before yeah. before I die, I want to go spend a month there and just tour the pyramids, yeah. and Karnak, and and just just everything over the Luxor, uh, the yeah. Nile. I want to do it all. Uh, but do I think school is needed for people? No, I, I think a brain is needed for people. You know, I think common <laughs> sense is valid needed. points. You know, <laughs> yeah, like like you just gotta you know you gotta know yourself. So if you're gonna go to school just to please other people, then don't do it. You know what I mean? If you want to be a doctor, well, you have to do that. Like you have to go to school. There's no which two ways about that. Um, I think it's just something people need to sit down and and really decide for themselves. Is this something I need or is this something that, you know, I'm just doing to please other people? Now, Jimmy, you know, you're in the real estate business, you know, and, you know, obviously, you know, I, I like to talk about a lot of social consciousness stuff on here. Have you ever witnessed a time where there was some kind of redlining or bias against anyone buying a property? Have you, you know, have you ever seen real estate agents do that to people? Have I seen real estate agents do it in front of me? No. Do I know it exists? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. But there's, you know, they, they've been putting out a lot of tests. Long Island got into a lot of trouble. Long Island uh, got, Long Island agents got in a lot of trouble. Uh, and they're talking about, you know, bringing them out here to Westchester County as well, the testers, and kind of see how we're performing as agents out here. My process is very simple. It's, I don't care, friend, family, or foe, it's the same process. If you don't follow the process, well, then I'm discriminating. So you got to follow the process too. And that's how I keep myself from, from, from discriminating. Um, I have all the websites you need to look up crime reports and to look up school reports because legally we can't comment on those things. I can't tell you that something's a good neighborhood or a bad neighborhood. I can't tell you a good school from a bad school. I, I you know, I, I understand because it's perspective. You know what I mean? Like I live in Mount Vernon. A lot of people here yeah. in Mount Vernon, they're like, whoa, like, no. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? It is what it is. But for me, yeah. it's, it's, I just give out the websites that everybody needs. But you can, I feel like a lot of times agents get set up with just the way people are saying things. Like if somebody tells me, for example, hey, I need to find a house where taxes are under, let's say, $12,000. Well, one of my first areas I'm going to pick right off the bat is Yonkers. Now, I'm not steering anybody into a bad neighborhood or anything like that, but you told me you need a property with under $12,000. Well, the majority of them are in Yonkers. There might be a few more scattered throughout the county, but the majority of properties will be in Yonkers. And that's just, it is what it is. So you, you know focus I mean? more on so, the mathematics. You don't get caught up in the nonsense behind yeah, the no, scenes. No, yeah. no, because okay. listen, it doesn't like, I, I, how can I put this? Like, to me, like, there's good people, there's bad people. That's it. Like, that, that's, that's just the bottom line. And you could be in what seems to be a great neighborhood, and somebody could die. 
You know what I mean? A kid could get run over by somebody in the neighborhood. Does that make it a bad neighborhood? I don't know. You be the judge. It's not my business. Like, I can't decide something for you based on your belief. So, hey, like, I'll give you, you know, a very quick example. Like, if somebody calls me and and they're like, you know, listen, I'm looking. Like, I've had people ask me. I had, oh, my God, now you just reminded me. I had a couple. (laughs) I had a couple. We were, we were coming out of a house. Um, it was two ladies. We were coming out of the house. They loved the house. They loved the neighborhood. They're, they're sitting there. They're chatting amongst themselves. What offer they want to put in and blah, blah, blah. Now, I had just started. I wasn't even like, I, I was just a showing agent at the time. And then they're off having their conversation. I'm just waiting by the car. They come back to me. And they're like, listen, uh, we're not going to put in an offer. I was like, wait. What? Everything's perfect. <laughs> like, yeah. what happened? What happened in the two seconds I left you yeah. guys alone? Uh, and, and they pointed to the person coming out of the house next door because they were black. Wow. And I said, I, I, I'm like, really? Like, you just, you couldn't make something up? You had to tell me that? And so as soon as I got in the car, I called up the senior agent. I said, I'm out. I'm not showing these people anymore. That, that yeah. to me was just, like, because they're going to start asking me questions about the neighborhood demographics and, and things I can't answer. You know what yeah. I mean? Plus, I don't know. How am I supposed to know who lives yeah, in the neighborhood? <laughs> yeah, I don't live here. I tell people, yeah. you want to know, you want to see the neighborhood for yourself, come back in the morning, come back in the afternoon, and come back at night. Like, if you're really concerned about the neighborhood and you really want to scope it out, then check it out three different times of the day because I can't do it for you. So do I think, I, do I think there's, you know, agents doing silly things? Yeah. I don't think we'll ever get rid of them because there'll always be people like that. That's unfortunate. But Jimmy, does that change the title insurance on your house? Does that affect it? What? Uh, You know, um, you know, demographics and things of that nature. No. Okay. All right. So the title insurance has nothing to do with that. And how do you know you're getting the right title insurance? So the title insurance is basically just there. It's making sure that your title's safe. And they're going to insure it based on there being no judgments against it, no liens, no violations, no open permits. Sometimes you can close if there are that, you know, are those things. But again, I'd rather somebody know exactly what they're getting into before they close on a house with an open permit. I've seen it done. I've seen it done without issues. I've seen it done with issues. Um, Again, see, this is a crazy thing about real estate. It's trying to educate people, but there's so many things that can change from house to house, from deal to deal that it's, it's almost impossible. It's almost like we're just going to have to go through this together. Just understand that I'm an experienced pilot and we'll land safely eventually, you know, even if we have to that... fly around forever. <laughs> now, I mean, you know what's also confusing though, man, and you know, I really got to access the, the, the interest situation, man. You know, like the there's APR. Yeah, man. Like there's APR, there's regular interest. Like that's, that. you know, that's like a cluster, you know, F for me sometimes. Like there's, you know, what's like really the difference there? Like what's happening with that? When so you really go about the, purchase the big difference is, is when you call up a lender and you say, hey, what's today's rate? They're going to tell you, you know, usually the average rate that they have right now. So let's just say yeah. 4%, for example. Yeah. So you so call, right you, you can call five different lenders. And they'll give you today's rate. And that's just the regular, that, that, that's the, the, the regular rate that you're going to get from everybody. So let's just say 
one lender gives you an interest rate of 4%. Here's where the APR becomes different. Let's yeah. say that that, that uh, lender runs your credit and they realize that you know you have some things on your credit report um, that you're not going to be able to fix by the time you close. However, you still want a better monthly rate. What they can do is they can charge you uh, a point, usually, or half a point. So if the loan amounts half a million dollars, they'll charge you 1.5%, I mean 5,000. So you could pay $5,000 as a fee and they'll lower your interest rate. It's called buying down your rate. Now that, you know, I don't know the exact math calculation, but that will change your, your monthly rate might appear as 3.75. Like that's what you get as your mortgage rate, but your APR might show four and a quarter. I tell people to look at the, the, the basically side by side and find out what your APR is because that also includes the charges. Because a lot of people tell me, oh yeah, but he's giving me 3% and, and the other guy's charging me four. Well, hold on a second because three and four is a big <laughs> difference. If you yeah. tell me he's charging three and seven eighths and the other guy's charging four, okay, it's an eighth of a percent. It's not that different. But when, when, when there's big gaps, I have questions because that to me just tells me that maybe one person is using different things uh, to qualify you. Maybe on the really low rate, they're charging you $5,000 to lower your rate. So let's compare apples to apples. Uh, what I find is is people are really weird with their financial situations. Like they kind of just want to handle it on their own um, and would rather not have agents involved. Like I don't know where this chilly information comes from because it is something that is spoken about on the internet. Like don't get your agent involved in your financial situation. Well, who's helping you shop? Your agent. Yeah. I mean, I figured they would need to know this information. I was rather pertinent to the situation, I would imagine. The misconception is, is if I know your situation and I know you can buy a house for 600000 uh, you can buy a house up to 600000 I'm going to try to find you a house that costs 600000 That's the assumption. And that's why gotcha. agents shouldn't know your information. But it, it, it couldn't be. I, I, listen, I get it. I get it. But it's also like if you're going to view the, the real estate agent market, just a pool of us as bad people, then yeah, you're going to think like that. But the truth is, if I'll do the math for you right now, let's say I sold you a house at 600 instead of 550. So I made, there's an extra $50,000 on the table. So let's go ahead and run those numbers. If I get you to buy a house that's $50,000 more, it's an extra $600 as on the check. That's it. Wow. That's it. Like people yeah. think like, oh my God, he's, he's like they're yeah. purposely charging me. Like, no, man, like relax. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to find you the best house. If that best house costs 600, well, then that's what you're going to buy. If the best house costs 550, then that's what you're going to buy. Now, Jimmy, you're a numbers guy, right? Let's say a house costs, you know, three quarters of a million dollars. How much should the inc family income be? You know, because a lot of people go and buy homes they can't afford because you got to you got to take in the maintenance, property taxes, you know, things of that nature. I feel like sometimes people get caught up in the fever of owning a home and they don't realize what goes around owning a home. Yeah. So I will say this. I love where the um, the banking sector is right now because. Pre-market collapse, yeah, that, that stuff would fly. Like you could make a hundred grand a year and they would give you a $10 million loan. Like as long as you had a heartbeat, that was all you needed. Now it's very strict. So now yeah. roughly they won't let you go higher than 43 to 50% more or less. Uh, so if you make $5,000 a month, 
they want your total expenses with your mortgages to be about 2500 So all your expenses, taxes, mortgages, your credit cards, your auto loans, your student loans, anything you have, they want all that to be about 2500 So right off the bat, getting pre-approved, you're, you're in a really good start. I think the big variable that can change is your property tax. I think that could be something that could change that a lot of people aren't expecting. So knowing to check that out before uh, you close on the house is a good idea. Now, do you like that? Do you like the fact that that's being regulated more? Because I know a lot of, you know, ex mortgage, you know, ex real estate guys that hate that, you know, they enjoyed, you know, you know, I guess taking people for suckers, man, you know. You know what it is? It's, it's, I believe there's a, it's a double-edged sword because just as easy as the banks were making money, just as easy as buyers were taking out money. Like nobody complained when they took out the money to buy the house, but yet they complained when they got screwed. So it's almost like blaming McDonald's that you got fat. <laughs> I like, love your analogies, man. I mean, like, I, I, I would buy a home from you. I think I'm going to come see like, you, man, when I'm at that point in life, man. Like, what do you mean you I, think? I think this- <laughs> what do you mean you think? But I didn't do a good job. Yeah, I didn't do a good job yet. Yo, but, uh, you know, let me tell you, buying a home is important, right? Like, do you have a story where, like, someone was so happy, like, that that you were able to to change their lives, man? You have, a, like, a nice heartwarming story or anything yeah, actually, crazy, somebody this, getting uh, super excited? Just this last uh, summer, just right now, we closed, um, what was it, November we closed. They, um, I had the listing, so I was representing the sellers. Uh, sellers were, you know, old, old couple. They had put three generations through the school district. So the very, um, affluent in that district. They also, uh, when the kids moved out and bought their house, they also were in that school district. So everybody, you know, kind of just, they all stayed in that district. They knew a lot of people. So this one family came along and, um, they, they loved the house. Like I happened to meet them just because I was there closing up from another showing. So I got a chance to meet them briefly. And I mean, they were really nice, you know, and their agent did everything they had to do, but we found an issue during the inspection with radon. It's basically a, um, it's, it's a gas comes up through the foundation in your house. And it's one of the highest leading uh, causes of cancer, lung cancer. So we found that issue in the house that the inspection. So, the sellers decided to split the cost with the buyer. Very simple. No, no, no arguments, no nothing. Just, Hey, you know, how much does it cost? 2000. Okay. Here, take a thousand. Like nice and simple. We get to the closing table and as we're finishing up, the buyer looks over to the seller and she goes, listen, I can't tell you how grateful we are that we get the, the chance and the opportunity to live here. And we're going to restore it to its former glory and not, you know, just, break everything down like somebody else would if they moved in here. And just to see that, and especially during a time where there's just so much going on, like this was, this was November. This was like before the election. So there's a lot of tensions going on. Like a lot of people were, were uneasy. And just to see two strangers come together that never met before at the closing table. And just, you know, the seller was just so happy and sad because, you know, she lived there almost her whole life. So she was happy and sad at the same time to see this go, but she was very glad to see it go to somebody who's going to take care of the home. I thought that was nice. I would say the majority of my buyers are first time home buyers. I think, I think it works better that way because I don't do well with know-it-alls. So, uh, you know, sure. First time home buyers are a lot more work, but I find they, they're a lot more, um, you can educate them a lot more than you can the old dogs who think it's 
well, when I bought a house in 1970, yep, yeah, it's changed. Like, <laughs> not the same. I get it. You you bought a house once upon the time many years ago, but it's yeah. not the same anymore. Like, so I do enjoy working with first time home buyers a lot. Um, I I love doing uh, listings. I enjoy the marketing side of, of the selling of the home. And you also enjoy families, man. Could you talk about that a little bit? Because, you know, I, I see you mentioned that, you know, helping families is something that, that makes you feel good and is important to you. Yeah, yeah. So I always throw the um, the term families. Like, I, you know, again, I don't like to uh, assume what somebody's dynamic is. So I just call everybody, you know, you and your family. I always use it that way. Um, I've always been a family man growing up. It's um, something I enjoy. I enjoy seeing <clears throat> You know, um, all of my family, I'm one of four siblings. Um, and it's just, you know, I like I didn't grow up easy. And I, I've seen a lot of things that you normally wouldn't see as a kid growing up. You know, like, for example, getting thrown out of an apartment uh, right before Christmas. Yeah. Um, wow. And so that kind of just stuck with me. And I don't want other people to go through that. So that's why I would rather tell you everything that's terrible about the house. So, you know, and then if you want to buy it, well, now it's on your conscience. It's no longer on mine. Like I told you everything bad about the house. Now it's on you. So that's kind of just the one thing that, that allows me to, to not push people into situations they shouldn't be in. You know what I mean? Like I'd rather, I'd rather walk away from the commission, but I'll give you a very easy example. A friend of mine wanted to buy a co-op. His goal was to buy a co-op and then two years sell it. And my advice was, I'm not going to let you do that. He's like, what yeah. do you mean? I'm like, listen, you need to understand something. I don't get paid unless I help you buy something. That's number one. So when I'm telling you to not come to me to buy something, like maybe there's a reason behind that. You know, it was very simple. I knew that if, if he bought a co-op and sold it in two years from now, he would mm. lose more money than if he just stayed renting. You know what I mean? So again, yeah. I would rather turn away business and tell people, no, than I would to put people in a sticky situation. Got you. Well, now, uh, Jimmy, we've reached a point in the podcast where it's time to play <laughs> Five Words with Angel. Comes to, so what do I got to say? What comes to my mind Now, first? on Five Words with Angel, Jimmy, I'm going to say a word or phrase. You're going to give me the first word or phrase that comes to your head. Are you ready, buddy? I'm ready. All right. The first word on Five Words with Angels is... Goodfellas. Oh. The movie. <laughs> spider, spider. <laughs> spider, spider. That. Or, or I'm a clown. I amuse you. I'm here to make you laugh. Oh, whoa, whoa. Tommy, he's a big boy. He knows what he said. Yeah. <laughs> I love my, my, I love yeah, it. that's a great flick, man. Like one of my favorite lines is that's why we don't buy nice things, Karen. You yeah. <laughs> where's the money, Karen? Karen, where's the money? <laughs> All right, the second word is mortgage. Oh, annoying. <laughs> the third word is carpentry. Oh, I love of my life. All right, cool, cool. The fourth word is families. Mm, I don't know why, but Ice Age just came to mind. <laughs> okay. Like the movie Ice Age. I mean, you said first thing, right? Yeah, first thing, man. That's <laughs> awesome. First- Oh, cool. <laughs> That's the first thing that came to mind. <laughs> and uh, the fifth word is a curveball. Your favorite snack? Mm, Doritos. 
Nice, nice. Yeah. Now well, it's Christmas uh, time. You know those little Christmas tree cakes? Yeah, the white and green ones? Ooh, yeah, I, those are I nice. keep looking for them in the stores. I can't find them. That's it's my hard favorite. to find them. But you know, you know, during the pandemic, they've been less they've been lessening the snack situation. Why? They try to yeah, call but, us fat. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Not in so many words, but yeah. <laughs> Who was the well, man uh, that was going after the big gulf? Yeah, I mean, was, I mean, that, that was Bloomberg. That was Bloomberg, Bloomberg that that killed the Bill Gelp. Yeah, that was over for yeah. Bloomberg is the one that changed everything in New York City, man. In terms of like, you know, going to uh, towards a more healthier uh, lifestyle, that was all Bloomberg, baby. You know, Giuliani got rid of the crime, uh, supposedly, and then Bloomberg, you know, uh, <laughs> Bloomberg had nothing to do. So he went after yeah. the big gulf. Yeah, exactly, man. You know, um, but Mister uh, Jimmy, man. Please uh, tell us, you know, um, or give a little message to the people out there that are thinking about getting into this this, this line of work. And uh, also let us know about the YouTube channel, right? And where we can find you on social media. If people have any questions or want to reach out to you, buddy. Yeah, so the best, uh, you know, Instagram, uh, Jimmy Odd and the number one, because my, my last name spells Odd One. And I always say you can't be number one if you're not Odd. Uh, you can find me on YouTube at the Sigma Real Estate Studios. Uh, you can find our business page on Facebook, also under Sigma. And then you can find me on LinkedIn or Facebook for my personal. It's just Jimmy, last name O'Don, O, two double D's, O, N as an E as an elephant. And if you want to send me an email, you can just use my full name at kw.com. Uh, best place to probably reach me is Instagram, just because, you know, that's where we all are nowadays. You can also find me on TikTok, but I don't do much on TikTok yet, so maybe okay. not. <laughs> it's just one of those things we're trying to figure out still. You know, I hear you. <laughs> the, the more I tried, like I tried posting, you know, the the same style videos that I've been posting, like for Instagram is reels and stuff. I tried doing it there, but to me, TikTok just seems like a very fun platform. So if I'm not going to go on there, have fun and educate people, then I, I don't want to go on there at all. No, I hear you. I hear you. And a message for the audience that's thinking about getting into the real estate business. If you're thinking about getting into this business, just I would I would highly recommend find an agent and have a conversation with them about the business. Now, whether that's myself or somebody you personally know, there's a lot of uh, misunderstandings out there and a lot of things that aren't true about the industry. It's not you know just get your license, sell a house, make you know ten grand. Yeah, it's that easy. It is that easy, but there's a lot more responsibility that comes along with it. You know what I mean? Like you're dealing with people's uh, largest asset that they're going to buy. Their second largest is a car. So you're talking about usually five to six times uh, their normal large purchases. So you have a lot of responsibility. Well, Mr. Odon, thank you for joining us here today on the Angel of Words podcast. Don't forget to, uh, you know, check out the YouTube channel. It's fire. The production value is amazing. You learn a lot of stuff, man. You know, and I'm not just saying that because the cat came on the podcast. I'm saying that <laughs> because I checked out the channel and, you know, game recognized game. And really, we really appreciate you being on here and letting us know, you know, what's the happening uh, with the uh, real estate business right now, man. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you very much for having me. And if, if you have anybody that has any questions or anything at all that just needs guidance or help or, or, or strategize to get them off the ground, then please let them let them know I'm here to help. Um, I have a link for a free 15-minute Zoom call. They can hop on. We can chat. We can do the same exact style as this and, you know, really get, get people started. All right, man. There you go, guys. Well, thank you, Jimmy, and you have a great day, my brother. Thank you very much. You too, brother. All right, man. 
Hello, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the final episode of season one of the Angel of Words podcast with real estate strategist Jimmy O'Don. And uh, don't worry, we'll be back in the last half of the uh, first quarter in 2021. Don't forget to subscribe, though. Angel of Words ENT on YouTube. Click on the notification bell. Uh, you know, leave a review. Follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast. Donations are done at Cash App AOWNYC. And if you want to know what I'm up to on my social media you should follow me at angel of words ent thank you for everything this year and thank you for tuning in everyone talk to you 2021